Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for loving us so much that you speak to us clearly. Thank you for the Bible. Please help us now by your spirit to listen to you humbly and to respond rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, do you know what it's like to be really thirsty? Really thirsty. I don't know, in the recent weeks we've had some seriously hot weather. You might well know what it's like to be really thirsty. But have you had that, um, that dry mouth, the, the parched feeling, the, the weak shaking of the legs, a throbbing headache, real thirst? Thirst is a, is a physical need, isn't it? It's a physical need that can consume your whole body. And it can focus your mind. Thirst can focus your mind on getting the one thing that satisfies you. Water. Water. Now, my favourite uh, form of exercise is running. Running. Uh, some people call it punishment, but I enjoy it. And if I've gone for an extra long run, if I've pushed on and done the extra mile, the only thing I can think about when I get home is having a drink of water. I'm consumed by thirst. I stumble through the doorway into my, my house and, and there's lovely things waiting for me there. there there's, there's my wife. Um, there's the promise of a, a nice conversation with her. She starts off a conversation. How was your run? How are you going? Uh, there's my kids, my two lovely children who are excited to see me home and they come running and they want to play and have a hug. But I don't want them. <laughs> I just stumble through the door and I grunt. Say, get out of the way, I'm thirsty. I crawl to the kitchen like I've been stuck on a desert island for a month. Water, water. My feet hurt and my legs are aching. I could take a nice rest, but I just want that long, cool glass of Sydney's finest tap water. It's my all-consuming desire. It's the one thing that can satisfy me. I'm thirsty and it dominates my body and soul. I'm single-minded. There are no distractions, be be they ever so good, no distractions that can stop me from getting to that water. You see, a thirsty man ignores distractions, doesn't he? He ignores distractions until he finds the thing that will satisfy. A thirsty man ignores distractions until he finds satisfaction. And today in Psalm 63, we see that David is a thirsty man. David writes this psalm, this song, not in the splendour of a royal palace or, or relaxing in a royal garden. No, David writes this song when he's on the run, in the desert, in the desert, the scorching desert of Judah. It could be a, a number of times in David's life when he was on the run in the desert. This could be the time when, uh, late in his life when he's running away from his own son, Absalom. We don't exactly know when this is, but what we do know is where David is. David is in the wilderness with the sun blazing down on him, trudging across scorching sand. You can see there in the beginning of the psalm, in the introduction there, it says, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. And deserts, by definition, are very thirsty places. What does someone need, who, someone who's lost in the desert? What do they need to stay alive, to satisfy their thirst? Well, they need water, obviously. 
And not surprisingly, David is thirsty. But what is a big surprise? And what is the surprise of the psalm, in fact? The big surprise is that water isn't the first thing on David's mind. David wanders around in this parched land with the the dry wind sucking away the moisture on his lips, but he's not thinking about water. All David wants is God. His desire is so strong, his whole body aches with it. It's like David's soul is dehydrated, but not wanting after water, wanting after God. He craves God. Have a look there in verse 1 at David's incredible desire for God. Psalm 63, verse 1, read with me. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. what, What could make David forget water in this situation? Forget water and just thirst for God. Why is he so completely consumed? Well, it's because David knows something about God. He knows this truth. He knows that God is where true satisfaction can be found. God's power and God's glory and God's love, they are what David needs. They can satisfy his soul. Power, glory and love. God's power has a proven track record with David. God's power has protected him from many dangers so far. And likewise, God's glory. David has seen God's glory. God has given David uh, glorious victories over enemies. And God's love has a proven track record with David as well. God's steadfast love. And God has promised to David that he will always love him and be with him. God's big promise to David that David will have a kingdom that will never end through his descendants. God's love will be with David and his family forever. And these three, God's power and glory and love, these are things that David needs. David is weak. He's vulnerable. He's living in the desert as a fugitive. He needs God's power. And David's kingdom is beginning to fail. He's, David is a compromised king. David is imperfect, sinful. He needs God to keep showing his glory. And David needs God's love as well, doesn't he? He's rejected by so many people. He needs God's steadfast love. David's soul is thirsty for satisfaction and he finds it in these things, God's power and glory and love. He knows God is his satisfaction. But it's not just an intellectual knowledge, is it, here in the psalm? You can't read a psalm and think that. God is singing, uh, David is singing a song. It's bursting out of him in praise. David enjoys God and he sings about it. David, uh, in, in this section, the next section of the psalm, he uses the language of food and satisfaction because we, we connect with that, don't we, immediately. You know what, it's, what it means and what it feels like to be satisfied after a good meal, don't you? What food do you find most satisfying? What food do you find most satisfying? 
Uh, my wife and I, uh, Catherine and I, just moved a few weeks ago to uh, a new house just a few blocks from here, really close to the middle of Chatswood. And one of the things I was most excited about uh, moving so close to the centre of Chatswood was um, because it meant that I would be in walking distance from Gondola Gelato. (laughs) You guys know Gondola Gelato just down the road there? One of the foods I find most satisfying is the dark chocolate milkshake from Gondola Gelato. You should try it. It is rich. It is dark. It is thick. It is strong. And it is satisfying. None of this light, sugar-free, fat-reduced rubbish for me. This is full fat. This is, this is a milkshake that can kick you in the teeth. It's so good. Satisfaction. God's goodness satisfies. It is full fat. There's nothing left out of God's goodness that means you'll be unsatisfied with him. David here, he says his soul will be satisfied as with the richest of food. That's the phrase that we have in our Bible. But literally, in the original language, David says his soul will be satisfied as with fat upon fat. David's not afraid of fat like we are these days. David, for David, it means full sustenance, full satisfaction. And God's goodness is like that. It's full fat. So David knows God's power, his glory, his love, that's where satisfaction is found. Everything his soul needs is found in God. David is weak, failing, rejected, but these needs are satisfied by God's power, glory and love. And so he rejoices in the desert, even despite his situation. He is he's a fountain of praise, even if he's physically thirsty. Let's read on. Let's read from verse 2. Verse 2. David says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods, fat upon fat. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. We can see David out there in the desert, can't you just kind of, kind of dreaming and thinking of God and having the taste of God's goodness in his mouth. But David isn't delusional. He's not detached from reality. He knows that he is in danger. He knows he's in a desperate circumstance. Even if David doesn't die of thirst, he could be found by the people chasing him. He could be murdered. He could be killed in his sleep. But his confidence isn't shaken. God provides satisfaction, but God also provides safety. God is like a bird who protects her chicks by spreading her wings over them. And God is spreading his hand over David. God's strong right hand, the hand of strength, is on David. And thoughts of of this protection, they fill David's mind and his heart, even through the night. Day and night, David knows that God is where his safety is. And so he clings to God. 
He holds on to that strong right hand. Keep reading with me. Verse 6. Verse 6. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Can you hear David's confidence there? He's so confident, even out there in the desert. And David's confidence is well-founded because God will remove David's enemies. The one who chases David will be destroyed. Those against David will end up providing satisfaction for animals, David says. They'll be eaten by jackals. And liars, those against David, those who who plot against him, who scheme against him, who tell lies about him, liars will meet a bitter end. David is confident and is satisfied that in the end God's justice will triumph over his enemies. Meanwhile, for David, for himself, for, for, for the king and for the rest of God's people, those who follow David's example, they'll just keep rejoicing. They'll keep rejoicing because they are satisfied and they are safe. Let's finish reading the psalm from verse 9. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. That's David. All who swear by God's name will praise him. That's God's people. While the mouths of liars will be silenced. So what do we see in Psalm 63? David is a thirsty man, isn't he? He's a thirsty man. He has an overwhelming thirst for God. It dominates everything. He's a single-minded man desiring God. He doesn't think of, of water, even in the dry desert. He's not distracted by the things around him. He thinks of God's satisfaction. And in the middle of the night, when he's in danger, he doesn't fear He sings because he's under God's protection, under God's safe hand. For these reasons, David clings to God and he praises him. He clings to God and he praises him. And his thirst just grows and grows for God because he knows God is so good. It's an incredible picture of devotion to God that we see in David. Devotion to God, single-minded devotion to God. His, David's whole being longs for God. It pours out of him in praise. David is confident even when he's on the run in the desert. David's thirst for God, it's almost over the top. Do you thirst for God like David does? With every fibre of your being... Now, I'm a Christian and I love God. I think he's wonderful. But if I'm honest, I have to say that I find Psalm 63 quite confronting. Because I look at what David says about God and I look at my life and I don't think they match up. I don't feel like my thirst for God 
is anywhere as intense as David's thirst for God. A lot of the time I don't feel like my soul is a dry desert waiting for water, that I can find my only satisfaction in God. Now, lots of days my whole being doesn't seem to ache for God. But Psalm 63 is, is right, isn't it? It's, this is how we should respond to God. God's goodness is so good. Where he, he, he is the only source of satisfaction. Then my thirst for God should be like David's. My problem is that I'm looking elsewhere for satisfaction and safety. I'm too distracted with other things a lot of the time, things that promise their own satisfaction. It means that I I end up not single-minded for God, not, not like I am after a run looking for that water. There are so many other things that crowd into my life that I think will satisfy me. Do you have that experience too? I'm sure I'm not the only one. And often... Often it's worst at this time of year because these holiday times, Christmas times, New Year's, there's so many things that promise fulfilment in the Aussie summer. Think about the the end of my year kind of goes a bit like this. Around November, I start thinking about the the break at the end of the year, a lovely holiday away, a, a trip to an amazing location that offers real new experiences, a break from the toil of work. Maybe, maybe, a, maybe a good holiday will satisfy me. Well, November rolls into December and early December it's time to start writing lists, lists of things to buy, presents, present lists. Sure, presents to buy for other people, but what I'm really focused is on is my present list. All the great things that other people can buy me that I'll find satisfying. And then the Christmas week itself comes and it's all about food, food, food. Food that will satisfy. I don't know about your family, but I think I didn't stop eating for a week from about December 22nd, all the way through. I didn't even have time to think, let alone be hungry. And then once Christmas is done... Relief, right? Well, no. The sales start at the shops. It's time to start buying. Time to do some spring cleaning and get rid of the old stuff and buy the new stuff that will really satisfy. It's a summer of constant distraction. Constant distraction from where true true satisfaction can be found. But not just that summer, not just Christmas time. My life just gets filled with distractions. Things that compete with my thirst for God. Actually, distraction is a polite word for it. Because you know what the Bible calls this? It's hunting for satisfaction in anything other than God. The Bible calls that idolatry. So where can hope be found for me and and for you? This is your problem as well. I think it's a problem for all of us. How can we thirst for God like David does? Well, the good news for you and me, for us distracted people, comes in Jesus. In Jesus. Because in Jesus we have three things. In Jesus we have 
a perfect example of thirsting for God. A perfect example. And secondly, through Jesus, we can have the Holy Spirit working in us to revive our thirst. And thirdly, in Jesus, we see God's full fat goodness displayed for the whole world to see even more than David saw. In Jesus, we have the example we need. We have the Holy Spirit we need and we have seen God's goodness. Think about Jesus' example. We read it there in Matthew 4. Jesus thirsted after God perfectly in every circumstance. He had his own time in the desert, didn't he? When the devil tempted him. The devil comes along and says, if you're the son of God and I know you're hungry, just make some bread out of these stones. Satisfy yourself with these things here. You have the power. But Jesus shows that his satisfaction is in God more than in physical bread. Jesus says, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus sets his sights on his Father, not on the material things around him, not, on his, not even on his own power. No, Jesus clings to God and God upholds Jesus. And later on, when Jesus was facing physical torture on the cross, he still had his sights set on God. Even on the cross, Jesus yearns for God's will to be done. Jesus thirsts for God in every moment, even on the cross. And thank God that he does. Because through his death on the cross, now you and I, even though we are distracted sinners, even though we're idolatrous, we can be forgiven. And through God's forgiveness and God's gift of the Holy Spirit, our thirst can be revived. That's the second thing we need. We need God's Holy Spirit at work in us. And we have his spirit by trusting in Jesus' death on the cross. The Spirit revives our thirst for God. He redeems our thirst. The Spirit does his work in our hearts so that we know better and better that God is so good and the things around us are just temporary. The Spirit shapes us to be more like Jesus, the one who perfectly thirsted after God. Through the Spirit, we can honestly sing with David, God, your love is better than life. It's through the Spirit that Christians sometimes give up their life, face death, because they are convinced that God's love is the best, better than life itself. And thirdly and finally, in Jesus, we have tasted God's full fat goodness. We have seen God's power and glory and love through Jesus. God's power to overcome death, to overcome the devil. God's power even to overcome the hardness of our hearts and save us. We see God's glory, his greatness, his, his magnificence in so many ways. One great example is that he saves us freely. God gloriously decided to save you and me without one ounce of our work adding to it. Through Jesus alone, that is God's glorious plan. And through Jesus we see God's love, don't we? The ultimate display of God's love in Jesus' sacrifice. 
These are just a few samples from the menu of God's full-fat goodness. And what's more, this is only the, it's like it's the only the first course of his goodness to us. The first course of what is to come in eternity, in the future for Christians. The book of Revelation paints a picture of where ultimate final satisfaction will be found with God in the new heavens and new earth where there is a river of the water of life flowing forever. God will satisfy our souls forever. Here and now, brothers and sisters, we live in anticipation. We've already tasted God's goodness in Jesus, but there's more to come. We've tasted the first few drops of that cool drink. There is more to come. You know when you taste something really good or you drink something really nice, you just have a little bit of it, what do you want? You want more. You want more of it. And so it is with God's goodness. We want to drink it. We want to guzzle it. We want to swim around in God's goodness. And in the new heavens and earth we will. Well, for David, this thirst, this thirst, it drives away distraction, doesn't it? It drives away fear. And it produces praise. And so our thirst for God should show itself in those ways as well. It should drive away distraction. Friends, we need to beware of those things that distract us. Every earthly thing that promises satisfaction is temporary, shaky, money, our experiences, our gadgets and toys, our jobs, even relationships. These are good things that God gives us, but they are not God. They are not the source of satisfaction. So we can't let them suck away at our thirst for God. Let's keep a watchful eye eye on where our desires are. For me, a a good way of, of watching my desires is to think about what I'm praying for. What have I prayed for this week? Where where's the desire of my heart pointed? What have I asked God for? Who have I prayed for? Have I apologised to God? Am I looking to God for my satisfaction and looking to him for goodness? Or am I distracted? Am I even praying at all? Our thirst for God should drive away distraction, but it should also drive away fear. Friends, we should cling to God in the face of the things that scare us. When the hardships and pressures of life um, come, the, the pain and loss, grief, shame at our own poor decisions or sour relationships, when those things come, and they will come, we, we sometimes fear that those things are bigger than God, that they, they, they will overcome God's power and his glory. We fear that God can't keep us safe. Let's, in those times, let's, let's remember Psalm 63. God's right hand upholds us. God protects, covers us with the shadow of his wings. So in the face of fear, cling to God. Remember the safety that he offers. 
Keep trusting Jesus. Keep trusting that God's spirit is at work at you. Cling to God. And finally, may our thirst show itself with lips that produce praise. In in every way that we use our lips, in, in everyday speech, in prayers, in songs, in what we write, Let's tell God how good he is. Let's tell each other how, God, how good God is. Share God's goodness with the others around you. Show other people how thirsty you are for God because he is so good. Friends in Jesus, in Jesus, God offers true satisfaction for our souls. His goodness is full fat, full fat. We've seen it in Jesus. We taste his goodness by his spirit. And it should make us thirst for more. So let's press on, pushing away distraction, pushing away fear, praising God, thirst for God, and be satisfied. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for your rock-solid love towards us. Thank you that we have seen your power and glory in Jesus. Thank you that we have seen your steadfast love Please grow us in in an undivided thirst for you. Help us to enjoy you. Help us to push away distractions, to push away fear. Help us to praise you every chance we get. Thank you for the work of your spirit in us who gives us a taste of what is to come in heaven. We pray that we would thirst all the more in anticipation of your new heaven and earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.